Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Lana Reed, and welcome back to this, this week's edition of Don't Box Me In. You know, living out the box, inspiration, motivation is what it's all about here at Don't Box Me In, and today's guest fits all of that. Heidi Sifkus was a happily married, globe-trotting professional who seemingly had it all until a tree limb in New York's Hudson River Valley struck her down breaking her neck and leaving her unconscious. She lost her independence. She had lost all that mattered, but she is a survivor. She fought to restore her health and rebuild herself, and along the way she gained clarity about her core values, ultimately coming to a deeper understanding of what it means to have it all. I'm so glad Heidi has made time to spend with me today, and I extend a big welcome to her. Heidi, welcome to Don't Box Me In. Thank you so much, Lana. I'm excited to share my story with you and your audience. Uh, and it's a beautiful day here coming uh, from Lahui, Kauai. I was about to ask you, Miss Adventurer, where would you be today? So Hawaii is where you're at, huh? Yes, I'm on the island of Kauai, and it's Port Town, Lahui. Okay, awesome, awesome. So you're quite the adventurer here. Um, where, where do you where do you think that comes from because you're just a small town girl from where oh i'm a small town girl from the western side of wisconsin so occasionally <laughs> you hear hear my nasal midwestern <laughs> accent come out but i have lived all over um i i think the adventurous spirit is part of my dna but also from my upbringing uh two very independent independently spirited parents and so i've spent some time in the boston area South Florida, abroad uh, in in Madrid, Spain, and the list is growing. Okay, awesome, like that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer and advocate for travel, so, you know, I know I get mine because I'm a uh, former military brat, and they say that's one of the residual effects that we have. We can't sit still too long, but I, I always tell people, you don't really get to see the world until you get out, I mean, you don't really have understanding of the world until you get out there and see it, so I got a kindred spirit in Heidi there. Oh, Absolutely. Awesome. So is is Hawaii home for you now? Hawaii is home for me now. I moved out here in late 2013, and it was primarily to focus on my writing of my first book. And uh, coincidentally, this week I'll be turning in that second book. So it's an inspirational uh, location being uh, removed from some of the daily grind and the schedule mm-hmm. of the mainland has allowed me to do um, both books while here in Kauai. Awesome, awesome. So do you think you'll be hanging around Hawaii for a while or you'll be coming back to the mainland? I, I'm kind of on the fence. Um, <laughs> I, I find it challenging uh, being six hours removed from my East Coast connections. Uh, both of my um, parents live over there as well as there are many... Uh, literary events that I'm mm-hmm. missing out on being on this side of the world. Uh, yeah. So it may be that next year I make my way back to the mainland uh, to a place that's a little bit more equidistant from all of the uh, personal relationships I have as well as professional. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, welcome back if you do come back. But if not, I'm pretty sure uh, from what I'm reading about Heidi, she's going to make the best of it no matter where she's at. Um, but let's let's start off here with your story because uh, it is it is a very interesting one indeed. I took the time to read your book, not skim through it, but actually I read the book that you sent me. So I just was you know kind of wow. This this lady here is just wow. But yours, you know, story starts off with you know most people you hear they get struck by lightning or something like that. But no, not Heidi. Um, Heidi gets struck struck by a tree. So let's let's start there. Let's start with that part of the story. Share that with us. Well, I think it's important to kind of realize, you know, who was being struck by a tree? Who was <laughs> Heidi five years ago? And really, I was a superwoman. I was <laughs> holding uh, a professional career in the travel industry, um, traveling even that much more than um, I, I do now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
jet setting, if you will, taking a red egg back from Los Angeles to running a uh, convention in Orlando or even internationally traveling to Berlin or Mexico City. I was also happily married to a Brazilian chef, a homeowner in South Florida, and living a healthy and happy lifestyle in Florida, whether that meant paddle boarding, scuba diving, taking advantage of the wonderful weather. And then on one of my travels to Hudson River Valley, New York, which is about an hour and a half outside of New York City, um, it was a beautiful fall day, a little crisp, and I wanted to take a walk and appreciate those colors. I, I had always enjoyed the change of season, but living in South Florida, the seasons are not nearly as dramatic. Mm-hmm. And I decided to take out the trash at the same time. I left the building, head for the uh, dumpster, and I didn't hear, see, or feel a thing. That's when that 1,000-pound tree limb crushed me and left me unconscious for five days. Mm. The next thing that I realized, I was waking up in what seemed to be a hospital room, not knowing how I got there, with my husband and my mother at my side. Um, They put the pieces of the puzzle together, which was I had broken my C7 vertebra, which um, was, I guess, the second concern. The first concern was extreme brain swelling. So um, I was in one heck of a mess, and uh, I was lucky to have, one, a good bystander that called the paramedic. But number two, that I'm addicted to my cell phone, and I had <laughs> my cell phone to my hip on my way out of the uh, house, taking out the trash, and that's how my husband found me. When I didn't come back in a reasonable amount of time, he called, and um, to his surprise, it wasn't my voice on, on the other end. It was a male's voice, oh, wow. and that was the ER doctor. Wow. So... You, I'm just trying to imagine all of this. So you, you just go take out the trash, and was it a windy day, or was it just that it was the tree's time, that limb had – I, I, I mean, it's just it, it, so it's surreal. Because yeah, it's so surreal. You would think that there was a tornado that came through Poughkeepsie, New York, or that it was this just – windy day. It was a normal. It was crisp. It wasn't raining. It wasn't necessarily dusting. And come to find out, it was a healthy tree as well. So um, at the time, it appeared as if I was at exactly the wrong place at the wrong time and that I had just gotten handed the worst deck of cards Mm -hmm. uh, you could possibly have had. But it turns out that it was a real blunt hit in the head, a wake-up call, if you will, and mm-hmm. it sparked this better, new, and improved Heidi 2.0 that's talking to you it. now. I love that. I love that. So you wake up in the hospital, and you, um, I'm assuming there's some people around you, like you said. So your first thoughts are what? Like, what's going on with me? Can I, I mean, you mentioned before you were very active. You're like, I'm ready to go home. I mean, what's, what, what's your thinking? I reverted to that busy superwoman. Okay, mm-hmm. we've got to let everybody know, you know, this is only going to be a sidetrack. I'll heal very quickly. I should be able to go to the industry event in London or in Montreal. <laughs> I should be able to be the keynote speaker. I was in complete denial. I had no idea what had happened and how long this process was going to take. I mm-hmm. thought that this would be like breaking your arm. You put a cast on it, and you go on with your life. Maybe you take showers with a bag over it. But no, this was something different. To have a vertebra fuse, it takes multiple months, anywhere from six to nine months. And so the first month, although you would have thought, I would have understood, I'm in ICU, I'm going through neurosurgery, I'm going to need to wear a brace, you know, I didn't fathom that this was going to dramatically halt my life. I thought it would just be a speed bump. So the first thing was, you know, denial. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that I could just pick up where I left off, maybe a couple weeks off, but I would resume life as normal. Um, It took until after I was out of the hospital and with a follow-up 
appointment with the doctor for me to hear perhaps those same words from mm-hmm. the doctor and my family, but now being a little less sedated from medications outside of the busy, noisy hospital room that this was going to be a forced pause in my life. A forced pause, you know, and um, me being... Uh one of those, I think I'm a superwoman myself, uh, forced pause can, you know, we can be kind of stubborn about those. We probably need them from time to time, but, you know, we want to continue on full speed ahead like we've normally been. So I can, I can kind of, although I did, didn't have to go through the injury, I can imagine, you know, the struggles, the internal struggles that must have been for Heidi. You know, I I'm, I've have all this going on, you know, I'm this lady doing this and that. And, uh, you know, here it is. You, you just want me to sit still for this period of time. I don't I don't do that. Uh, that uh, I didn't know how <laughs> yeah, it, wasn't, just it wasn't it wasn't, you know, there's a certain gear that I'm mm-hmm. running in and I didn't have a slow or I didn't have a stop. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it took um it took a matter of about a month to kind of understand what was going on, and it wasn't as if I embraced it right away. It was mm-hmm. something that was a constant struggle for me. Gotcha, gotcha. So you're you're in the hospital for how long after this happens? I was in the hospital for a very short amount of time, about a week oh, and okay. a half after oh, okay. after the accident happened. They wanted to stabilize me and undergo neurosurgery where they took that seventh vertebra and they encased it in something like cheesecloth. They wanted the vertebra to fuse naturally Mm -hmm. and to reinforce that they put steel around it. So there's no rod in my neck. So, um, their hopes were with, uh, accurate recovery. I would regain full mobility, which I have right now. With a rod being placed there, that would inhibit some of my full mobility. So they made the wise choice, and I also healed uh, well from that surgery. After the surgery, they introduced me to my brace, which would be my companion for the next six months, and that was to make sure that that bone fused and it would inhibit my movement. So it was from my neck to my belly button on the front, and then... On the back side, the same. It was almost like a turtle shell. Mm-hmm. And um, it made it so that my neck couldn't move up and down to nod my head or even to look side to side. And, of course, uh, it protected my thoracic area so that I wouldn't move there either. It was basically to make sure that that spinal vertebra would um, almost become whole once again, mm-hmm. and um, I called this brace my cage because in a way it was holding me prisoner, but mm-hmm. uh, what it did, it, in, it uh, made sure that I would heal fully, and so after I had that brace, they said that I would be free to leave the hospital. Now, the hospital was in Hudson River Valley, New York. My home was in South Florida. The catcher of all of this is that I was on travel restrictions. The doctor did not want me to travel. So for the first time in my life, I actually was very thankful that I had uh, family spread out. And my parents had been divorced for decades. Uh, My mother lived outside of Boston and my father in South Florida. So I spent the next few months with my mother because I was unable to return to my home. So um, in that cage, in my brace, I went with my mother and um, her living returned into my recovery suite. Um, It wasn't necessarily the optimal conditions to Mm -hmm. recover because you want something that's a taste of home, but my Mm -hmm. home was not, not a possibility. However, the TLC of my mother was uh, so important during that time period, um, regardless of the fact that I was sleeping on a couch and living out of a suitcase. Um, it was exactly what the doctor ordered underneath those circumstances. 
Okay, um, Heidi, we're gonna hold that thought. I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but we're gonna take a quick commercial okay. break, and when we come okay. back, I want to talk some more about your recovery there. So stay with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. I am with uh, Miss Heidi Sifkis today. She is the author of the book, When All Balls Drop. And before the commercial break, uh, we were talking about, I think it was back in 2009 when a um, tree limb fell on her and kind of took her life in a different direction. And we were talking about her recovery and this cage or her new fashion statement, we should say there, her fashion accessory there. But you mentioned in this this recovery time, Heidi, that um, you could not stay at home, that you were staying with your mother. Um, staying at home was not optimal for you. Uh, can you share with us why staying at home was not the best solution for you at that time? Well, the accident happened in New York, and because of the severity of breaking my neck, the, the surgeon wanted me, one, to be close to him for follow-up, as well as the risks in traveling uh, mm-hmm. were too great. So mm-hmm. he wanted me to stay in the area. And my options were to um, be by myself in an apartment or be with someone who could give me more constant care. At that time, I could not drive, I could not shower, and I was needing more TLC. So the ideal candidate to help me through this was my mother, who was in the Boston, Massachusetts area. Um, What I didn't share with my friends and family during this time is that although I was going through a traumatic accident and recovering from a spinal injury, but at the same time I was dealing with a very personal and emotional battle. Mm -hmm. The day before this tree limb struck me while I was taking out the trash, I discovered that my husband of nearly 10 years had been living a double life. And Mm -hmm. so I discovered that he had another woman for over a year, and I was mortified. Mm -hmm. Um, My marriage was in ruin. I had been betrayed. Mm -hmm. And then the very next day, this tree limb hits me. So the title of the book, When All Balls Drop, talks about all of those things that I was balancing. And one of them was a marriage. The other was my health. And then the professional identity was a third. And Mm -hmm. when that tree limb struck, it was as if all of those balls simultaneously fell. And over that fourth pause of nine months is how I decided to, um, whether it be pick all of those balls back up or perhaps I needed just a new set of priorities and, mm. and values in moving forward. Okay. So it's clear we know, because we're talking to Heidi today, it's, it's clear we know what direction she took her life after that. Um, and, and, you know, you're thinking, though, anybody who goes through these types of challenges in life, you know, you have that right. You know, here it is. I'm, I'm, I find out my husband is having an affair. And then the next day, you know, I'm, I'm in the hospital, you know, with severe injuries, traumatic injuries. Um, I'm, I have this brace about to be put on me. It, you know, it's almost Heidi's right to say, you know what? Forget it. I give up, you know. Um, but at the beginning, did you have this spirit like this is not going to be my end? Or did it take you a process to get to that, that fight that Heidi has? I guess I have always been very determined, hardworking, positive outlook. Mm-hmm. I can't say that immediately I said, yes, I'm going to get through this. Um, I had to have some very low lows mm-hmm. and what I typically call adult temper tantrums. You know, <laughs> just, you know, here's a professional 32-year-old who is just having a breakdown and being a little bit irrational, but I had mm-hmm. to have some of those lows to actually get my wits about me to say, mm-hmm. okay, I can I can put things together, but I can't put it all together all at once. I had to break it down into palatable, um, I guess, goals. And mm-hmm. 
many people ask me why I did not tell people about my marriage. Mm-hmm. I had bigger fish to fry. I had a broken neck. I had to worry about were my arms going to work again? Would I have full mobility again? Um, there was a point in the hospital that they didn't know, you know, would I have brain damage? Would I have a full vision again? So there were bigger issues at stake. And so I said, that's it. That's what I'm going to focus in on. Although when I would look at my husband in the hospital, that was a component of what I was thinking in the back of my head. You know, we need to talk about this, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't that time yet. I had to be healthy enough, stable enough for, for far enough along my recovery path to then dive into that. And so it took um, about six months until I was ready to start dealing with uh, telling people what had happened and then finally making the decision as to what I wanted. Did I want to continue in a marriage? Could I forgive? Um, and that was after I returned to Florida. So there was a component of my recovery that after the bone had fused enough, my doctor said, you may now return to Florida. And the continued care um, started, whether that was physical therapy, being a counselor about the traumatic loss, as well as dealing with my my failed marriage. And it was interesting how being in my home, that gave me the courage to then start diving into some of those other things that were in the back of my mind, the relationship component, as well as what was I going to do professionally in moving Mm -hmm. forward. Gotcha. Now, you mentioned um, a couple times, you've mentioned your husband in spots and bits and pieces uh, with the injury. I'm curious, was he ever present during your recovery? I I know we had these difficulties prior to the day before you found out he's having an affair, but, you know, you're thinking, okay, here it is, my wife, you know, she's, you know, in the hospital she has, you know, we're not sure how long her recovery is going to be, we're not sure she's got brain damage. Um, Let me step up to the plate and assist her with becoming, uh, you know, getting her back to her optimal health. Was he a part of the process? He was a part of the process. Um, My mother took the lead. Um but he was present and when you are kind of in this full-blown life catastrophe that I was in you need as many people as you can in your mm-hmm. court okay. um, he, he did help but at the same time um, he wasn't willing to sacrifice uh, his full life at that time to take care of myself he was going to school and and going for his professional dreams. So he didn't necessarily put that on hold to take care of me, but he did help throughout. Okay. And there is a point in, in my story where I just felt so stifled and so dependent uh, at my mother's home that there was a time that I said, you know what, I have a broken neck, but I don't have a broken spirit, and I'm being treated like a child. I need a little dose of independence, and I called my husband to see if he could um, pick me up so that I could actually feel like I was an adult again. So, although I was being rescued by the man who had hurt me the most, he did play a part in in that recovery, um, whether it was necessarily always good or just a way for me to regain a little bit of independence. Okay, so we have the husband playing his role. You were with your mother. Who were some other people that were key support system for you right after this happened? I had friends from the Midwest, mm-hmm. professional colleagues from South Florida, and quite honestly, being so far removed from all of them, I also found a lot of comfort in um, almost virtual connections that I had had. Once people found out about my injury, people came out of the woodwork saying mm-hmm. that I too had suffered an accident when I was in uh, my early 30s or this happened to me while I was uh, preparing my dissertation or my thesis and it stalled you know, my path. So it was actually a combination of both 
family members that you expected to be in your court, great friends and professional peers, but other people that I didn't expect. Uh, and um, they were very helpful because although your friends and family, they're, they love you, they mm-hmm. care for you, they may not have the best advice because they haven't gone through something similar. So I found that many connections had great advice about how to navigate through the healthcare system. I found certain individuals that had gone through not one, but two uh, failed marriages. And so they were, quote unquote, the experts in that realm, as well as others that had gone through um, physical therapy and the battles of recovery, which sometimes you think as soon as you get to that stage where you're doing physical therapy, everything's going to be hunky-dory from there (laughs) on And what is... uh, What's the truth is that it's an upward battle, that you're going to make progress, but it's going to be painful. It's not all positive once you reach that therapy stage. So, of course, my mother was there. Uh, my father was there. Uh, lifelong friends and then professional colleagues. But uh, I have to say that this group uh, of people, supporters, uh, near and far, I call them my clan, and it's not because we have the same last name, but because they helped me, and and I, that personal connection that I got from each and every one of them was crucial to my triumph. Awesome, awesome, because I, I just, I'm just really just thinking about everything that was on your plate at that particular time, and, you know, somebody could very well mentally lose it without some sort of su- su- uh, support system there, so I'm glad there was key individuals around, be they touchable at that particular time or available to you via, you know, the internet or a phone call away. So I think that's that's so very important uh, for anybody when they're going through these kinds of things. Heidi, uh, hang in there with me. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back right after this. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, welcome back, welcome back. I am with author of the book, When All Balls Drop, Miss Heidi Sifkis. Am I saying that right? You are saying it correctly. Okay, I'm looking, I'm like, okay, okay. And uh, before, thank you for that, because I tried to say everybody's name correctly here. Uh, but before the break, we were uh, talking about uh, everything that you were going through. And um, so you were at the point where... We're out the hospital. We're in recovery. You've got your uh, cage on. Now you're moving from New York to Florida. Um, and at some point in time, so let me back up. So you've you've got the blow where you find out your husband is having an affair. You have the next blow where you have this accident that is, you know, leaving you with so many issues right here. And then the next blow in recovery, your job calls you and says, you know, hey, Heidi, guess what? And they want you to turn in your letter of resignation. Is that correct? That's correct. So um, I was making progress physically. I was on my way returning to South Florida where my home was, where my support system was, as well as my employer. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it was the turn of the new year, and I had been out of work recovering for nearly four months at that point. They needed to get on with their professional goals, um, and they forced me to resign. So I guess I always thought in the back of my mind that I would be able to pick up right where I left off, that it would just be um, a few months, and I would slowly gain speed, work up from part-time to full-time, and then be like nothing had happened. But little did I know that upon returning to Florida and then starting physical therapy, that that was just another stage of my recovery. It didn't mean that I was ready to go back to work yet. And um, in hindsight, it was um, a gift that they gave Mm -hmm. me. It was an opportunity to reevaluate, was this really 
the path in the travel industry or was this the path in communications that I wanted to take? And um, because of all of those balls that dropped, I had the opportunity to be the architect of, <laughs> of my next life. And uh, I decided, as you can tell from writing the book, that uh, necessarily being in marketing and PR behind a desk for the travel industry wasn't the path that I chose in moving forward. I decided that writing stories and inspiring and teaching others um, was more of my gift. And so I took my talents in communications and switched them into a classroom without walls, if you will, through books and speaking. Um, And uh, I guess what was so interesting about that transition back to my home, I was so looking forward to coming back to Florida. However, I think homecomings are a a mixed bag. Mm -hmm. I think people that they've spent uh, a long time overseas, whether for a job or military, coming back home is something that you always think that is going to be positive. Um, But there are a lot of mixed emotions because many, many times, and in my case, I came back to that home that had remained the same, that smelled the same, looked the same, but I had changed as a person yes. who was walking in my front door. And so returning home for me was just a, a true game changer as far as perspective and moving forward. I was feeling more healthy. Uh, my physical body was stronger than it was in the hospital and through my early recovery. I was emotionally getting stronger, feeling that I was ready to start talking about, not necessarily making a decision about my marriage, but talking about it. Mm -hmm. And then also feeling that perhaps, you know, I'll find another job or maybe I'll just create my own career. But I didn't know what it was, but I felt confident that I would find the right solution in moving forward. And it was having that home around me. Um... And also realizing that I had changed, although um, many of the situations hadn't, I had the opportunity to look at my situation differently, which was really the learning piece of my when all balls drop moment was I could try to control my career. I can try as hard as I can to hold a marriage together. I can also try my best to fight my natural DNA and hope that um, I don't put my put my body in harm's way. But real, realistically, I don't have that control. And uh, through my process, I understood that uh, the only thing I have control of is right now in this moment how I look at my situation. And what I found is that humor and spinning everything positively got me through uh, being in a very tricky situation. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I think a lot of people need to realize, you know, that what you do have control over is when right now, right now, and, you know, that alleviates so much pressure and so much stress and allows you to really make some very concrete changes in your life when you do live in the present moment instead of, you know, trying to, um, you know, control, uh, think about yesterday or forecast tomorrow, not to say that we should make any plans for it, but, you know, being present in the moment and all I have control of is right here and right now and I'm going to do my darndest to, you know, make this moment the best moment and, you know, in spite of everything else that Heidi was going through, you know, for you to, to um, embrace that mentality, I'm pretty sure that had a lot to do with the growth that you saw. Now, I'm curious, you know, I know with physical therapy, um, in these types of incidents, they usually um, refer people to talk to somebody about it. Did you actually have somebody professional to talk to, or did you just do this all on your own? I actually don't think I could have done it all on my own. And it was because there were so many components of loss going on and so many tricky uh, elements that were in play. I didn't know necessarily you know, how long it would take for the bone to repair. And then I didn't understand that my muscles would need to be retrained and strengthened to hold up the weight of my torso because Mm -hmm. that cage had been there 
for nearly six months. I also, um, as I said, I was in denial for the very beginning of it, and I needed to talk to someone about all of this loss, my professional identity, the marriage, you know, being dependent as an adult on other people, uh, because I was fiercely independent and thought that I, I could take care of everything prior to this accident. Um, and so when I found my continued care doctor in Florida, he said that I will heal or help you heal your whole person. And he said, that means that we're going to deal with pain management. We're going to deal with physical therapy. We're going to also deal with your mental health. And so he pointed me in the right direction for a therapist mm -hmm. as well as a, as, um, a physical therapist. So uh, a mental health professional as well as someone who is gifted in helping me rebuild my body so that I could... Um, once again, be physically active and enjoy the things that I loved about living in South Florida. Awesome. Now, I think I read that you had some unique physical therapy, uh, like some non-traditional treatment plans. Did I read that correctly? You did. And um, I have to tell you that you have to listen to your body, although doctors have been trained in their field, you're the one who's living in, in your body. And sometimes there is no secret recipe for treating every person. And in my case, I was open to whatever would alleviate pain, help me gain mobility, and um, I found that to be the case through a combination of acupuncture, mm -hmm chiropractic adjustments, which I had always been leery of, uh, physical therapy, massaging, and um, after doing that combination, I was able to do some more traditional, I guess, physical therapy, whether that be with weights and bands. But I had to start with things that necessarily were, that were testing my boundaries as to what I thought was the way that I should be treated. And uh, my doctor was absolutely wonderful. Um, by giving, giving me those opportunities. And um, since, I have met many people that have had similar injuries to myself, whether it was exactly the same vertebra or just something that was in the cervical spine. And acupuncture, um, I say, uh, try it. Um, each person is going to have a different reaction to it, but I found that it alleviated pain in a way that none other could um, because in my case, these were almost dormant muscles and they were aggravated to get um, to be called to action. And I had these tremendous knots in my back that massage couldn't take away that electrodes couldn't take away. And finally, my doctor said, you know, there's something that we haven't tried yet, but let's see if it works. And that actually was enough to break that cycle so that I could alleviate the pain and work with those muscles to gain strength. Awesome. I've uh, been a long-time uh, supporter of acupuncture. I remember as a little girl, we were stationed in uh, Okinawa, and my mother used to uh, go for acupuncture treat, acu acupuncture treat, uh, I get it right, treatments uh, for many of her uh, ailments and I think to quit smoking and it was always such a wonderful thing for her. So I've always, uh, you know, told people about the benefits of it. It's unique that a doctor, you know, recommends certain things in, in the fact that he was open to some creative treatment plans for you. I, I just think that's so awesome because sometimes, uh, you know, doctors are doctors and, um, you know, they get caught up in their regimented plan. So you sometimes lose sight of what is best for my patient, you know, and there might be some other alternative treatment plans out there that are, are better, as we can see within Heidi's case, that, um, you know, actually work. So how long was physical therapy for you? My entire recovery was about nine months, and I didn't start the physical therapy until about around the fourth or fifth month. And it started very, very slowly. I was st 
still in the brace, but we would take off the brace a couple hours a day, kind of almost weaning me out of this false skeleton and getting my body used to supporting itself. And at the end of that nine months, I was completely out of the brace. I was back to doing, I would say, some of my normal activities, whether that would be going to the gym, Mm. Um, doing yoga, uh, which I started out in the physical therapy, doing bands and massages and doing stretches. But then they recommended doing some restorative yoga. And I found that that was extremely helpful because there were other people that were dealing with other physical ailments and that we took it at a very slow pace. Um, also, yoga and some of its balancing poses makes you center on that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so many of the other problems that were going on mentally at that time, I was able to focus on only that yoga class. But um, at the end of my physical therapy, using all of those modalities, I was back to back to what I considered normal, someone who is able to go to uh, a yoga class with others that um, weren't necessarily uh, going through uh, physical ailments or rehabilitation. I was able to go back to the Pilates classroom, spin classes, and lifting weights. Granted, I was still a little bit weaker than I was before, but that too would come back in time. And at the at the end of that nine months, I actually returned to Poughkeepsie and <laughs> I revisited that tree. That and, darn uh, tree. <laughs> that darn tree. And I won't tell, I won't tell your, your <laughs> listeners necessarily what I found, but um, it was a very special moment just to revisit that tree. And I saw Poughkeepsie and my life moving forward with new eyes after going through that forced nine-month pause. Awesome. Um, and I, uh, I embarked on a different... Yes? I'm sorry. I have to cut you off here. Um, we have this last commercial break, and we're going to talk about Heidi moving forward after that nine months when we get back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, and welcome back. Today I have been spending some time with the author of the book, When All Balls Drop, Miss Heidi Siefkes. And uh, she has went through a lost marriage, lost career, and um, a traumatic injury. And uh, we are now at the point where she's beginning to reinvent herself um, with the physical therapy, and I want to move forward a little bit in this last little time that we have together today, Heidi. Uh, but part of your process of reinventing yourself, uh, quite understandably, was your career side. And um, one of the things that you've been allowed to do or segue into is um, you started Hide and Seek Media. Is that correct? Yes, uh, Hide and Seek Media. Uh, it is a play on words as well as uh, it's works into my initials, Heidi Noel Seifkus. And uh, the play on words is that I um, have always been gifted in communications, whether that was learning a second language, writing marketing copy, uh, press releases. And so I wanted to use those skills as well um, as work independently on my own, uh, consulting with companies to help with those communication skills, strategies. And my former position was in the travel industry. So I figured that I would be able to uh, use hide-and-seek as I could be working for any type of company um, in the travel industry, wherever that would be. So come and find me, I guess, was the the kind of playfulness of the company. That's cute. I like that. Yeah. So what do you do? You're, you're in a so, brace. You're in a brace, and you, or you're going through physical therapy, and you say, "I'm going to start hide and seek." Or how soon after does this transition happen? Uh, the transition came over time. 
There okay. was always something in the back of my mind that I wanted to be a little bit more independent. Um, I didn't necessarily want to go back to working behind a desk 60 hours a week um, and traveling for business but really not seeing anything but the inside of taxi cabs, conference centers, and hotel rooms, which there's always a chicken club and and a French onion soup on the menu, regardless of where you are in the world. True, true. So I said, I want to help uh, businesses in in my area of expertise, but not necessarily um, be shackled behind a desk. <laughs> my strengths were being more interactive with the teams on the street, and that's what hide-and-seek media uh, allowed me to do. Um, the idea was there during my recovery, but I wasn't able to fully launch that business until I had gotten my feet wet and, and basically put myself into a marketing role after I was physically well. And through getting my feet wet again, it just reestablished what my gut was telling me that I should be working for myself, helping others' businesses, but not necessarily only that one business. And um, uh, Hide and Seek Media actually began in 2010. Okay. Um, so it, it took a little while for it to completely establish itself, but the thought process was there. And really for any goal that you want to attain, it all starts with thought. Mm-hmm. And, and then you just take step by step in order to accomplish that. And some of what I needed was to polish some of my skills, to uh, hone those skills that I had before, because after nine months out of PR and marketing, you know, there were things that were changing in that realm at the time. Social media was starting to boom, and so there was new tools. There was new ways to send your messages out into the world. And so I wanted to see what, what had changed and how I could use that to better launch my business as well as help my clients. Awesome. Now, we've, we've mentioned this book quite a few times, When All Balls Drop. When did you get the idea in your head that, you know, hey, Heidi, we're going to write a book? I never thought that I would write a book. My mother <laughs> had always said, oh, you have such great stories. You're a great storyteller. And what happened is during my recovery process, I was writing in a journal. And I did that just for my own therapy. And at the end of my recovery process, my doctor said, you're free, you can, you can now take care of your own physical rehabilitation, basically your maintenance. Keep on going to the gym, eat right, be healthy. My therapist, so my mental health, said, you're now okay, you can go on your own. However, even having those people tell me that I was okay, I needed to prove it to myself. And so I decided to take a solo journey. I went to the tip of South America to an area called Patagonia, and I Mm -hmm. wanted to go for a hike. And so I went to South America by myself to kind of test my limits, to test every facet of my health, mental, physical, as well as problem solving. And it was on one of these hikes at the end of the world, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, that I was sharing my story with a uh, hiker from California, and she says, Heidi, that sounds like it would be a really good book. (laughs) And so the seed was planted. The journal entries were already there. And so over the course of the next few years, I came up with the title. I came up with um, how I was going to change those journal entries into a format that could be um, into a book. And then I said in 2012, that by the time it's been five years since that tree struck me, I am going to have my story published, and I will be introduced as an author around the world. And so last September 2014 was five years from the time that that tree struck me. And so on the fifth anniversary of that accident, I launched When All Balls Drop, and um, I'm happy to say that this September of 2015, the sequel of the book will be launched, and it is called With New Eyes. And it picks up from 
revisiting that tree in Poughkeepsie and how I basically re-entered the dating world, decided where I was going to live, what my professional um, path would be, as well as it talks a little bit about that solo travel to South America and why I keep travel as a component of my my life. I love it. I love it. Author and adventure. Awesome. So where do people pick up the first book, When All Balls Drop? Where can they get a copy of it? When All Balls Drop is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your favorite online seller. You can also keep in touch with me on my website, which is HeidiSiepkes.com. Uh, and I'm on various social media sites, uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn, with my same name, Heidi Siepkes. Okay. Now, before we get out of here, I just have, you know, me being nosy, me being curious question here. Name some uh, places that Heidi's not been to yet that she wants to go to. Um, I would love to go to Africa and do a safari. Awesome. I have not. I've been to Morocco, but never to an area where I could see the big five. <laughs> okay. I also... There's a component of me that wants to explore some of Southeast Asia, Cambodia, Thailand, the Philippines. Um, I have not been to Colombia, and uh, I would love to go there. And let's see. <laughs> There's a component of me that's a little curious about Iceland. So, you know, I've, I've got a bucket list that is always growing and those destinations are on there and I think right now the only place that I know that I will be crossing off on that bucket list in the next year or two is Cambodia. So that I already have penciled in and a whole troop of adventurers to go with me. Awesome, awesome. I, I cannot, like I said in the beginning, I cannot stress how important to your life travel is and to get out there and see what's out there and how other people are living. I, it just, that is the best learning tool that anybody can have. Um, Heidi, we are at the end of the hour. It has been such a pleasure talking to you. I thank you for making time for me. My guest today has been Miss Heidi. Sifkis, uh, please visit her website, HeidiSifkis.com, H-E-I-D-I-S-I-E-F-K-A-S.com. Heidi, thank you for spending time with me today. Thank you so much, and it was a pleasure. Here's to looking up, Lana. There you go. There you go. That is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I'll see you all next week.